All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Okay, happy Thursday. So I've got Chase here with me in the intro because I wanted to update y'all on something that we were talking about. I don't know if it was a Q&A episode or maybe in another four things, like intro when you were on Chase, but I finally started ABC News this podcast about Jeffrey Epstein called Truth and Lies. And oh my goodness, I had no idea. I knew he was bad, but I didn't know how bad and how dangerous and how he got away with it right yeah. here in, you know, um, Florida, in New Mexico, in Ohio. He has all of these houses at these different places in the country then he has his own island and even it's crazy to me and I'm not giving any well it's not like I'm trying to tease you to go listen to it I really do think it's something that if you think you can handle that and there are disclaimers at the beginning of each episode because depending on what you've been through in your life it may not be something that is easy for you to listen to Uh, for me Chase and I have talked about having uh, his friend come on who works in is an expert in 
human trafficking here in the United States. And so I am, it's not something I am well versed on, um, but, but I know that it's happening and listening to this podcast, it just makes you so angry at who, I don't even know how it's going to play out. Like, here's how little I know about the Jeffrey Epstein case. Like I'm halfway through, but I don't know right now if he is sitting in jail, rotting somewhere, but he should be. But I don't know if that's going to be the end result. And by the way, he got away with it for, I don't know, 20 years or longer. I wouldn't be surprised if he was just chilling somewhere on a yacht because of the way with his money and his social connections, how he was able to get away with what he got away with baffles me. And, you know, even your friend Chase, and I do want to have her on the podcast and Chase helps me book a lot of the guests that are coming on and how tragic it is that, you know, some of these girls, they end up, they're the victims, but somehow they get spun into that they did something wrong and they didn't. There's a grooming process and he was very good at it and even had an accomplice who which was like his girlfriend and they they would pick people that were more vulnerable anyways and then yeah. start the grooming and anyway i i wouldn't i it's completely different content than what we offer here at four things uh, but i wouldn't be mad if you took a break just to go listen to that so you can also get a little fired up and intrigued about what is happening in the world and i'll say i'll say this just in relation to the case your mind is going to be blown by the end of it just because you don't know i don't know anything about the story i don't Um, oh my goodness okay so that's my other podcast recommendation (laughs) yeah you can give mine a break go listen to that and then come back and get some some of our stuff uh that's not not as heavy, but although we, we do have heavy things at time at times and I chase, I can't wait to have your friend on, uh, definitely will be educational for a lot of people and including myself. So, uh, as for today's episode, if you listen to my series and, uh, that I did with Lisa called outweigh, I mentioned a book called Brain Over Binge, and I only learned about that book because of another girl I follow on Instagram named Nicole, whose handle is at Kale Junkie, who I've had on the podcast before. But I saw her put up a post on Instagram and reached out to see if she would come on and just talk about it a little more because I think it's something that a lot of people are experiencing while during this quarantine pandemic of, you know, their pants are a little tighter, you're gaining weight. And I just have her on to talk about her thoughts on that and give you permission to be okay with whatever is happening with your body. And I like the way she put it. So she's coming on to talk about it. And then she's also sharing some awesome recipes with us because she's a recipe creator and she's got some good stuff. Everything she posts, y'all should definitely follow her. I go to my pantry and think, oh, do I have this stuff to make this? <laughs> Whether it's savory or sweet, she's got both. And I'm actually going to have her share uh, a savory recipe and a sweet one. And they are 
both something that everyone's going to want to make. Uh, my second thing today is Paula Ferris, who Chase is responsible for having on. And she was just a really sweet interview. Chase, she seems amazing. She uh, was on Good Morning America and The View, so had a booming journalism career and left it. Just, yeah. You know, Chase I'm has read the book. I haven't, yep. and I had to tell her that Chase has my copy, and I was having her on, and I hadn't even read her book, which this is Kept exciting. Speaking of books, we're going to have Lauren Aikens on, Thomas Rhett's, Thomas Rhett Aikens' wife, and yep. she has a book coming out, so we'll be talking with her too. But back to Paula's book, Chase, you finished it, right? Yeah, Called Out is the title of the book, and just really resonated with me personally, but I also think some of the themes in it are relevant with the time we're in right now as a country and the world. So I recommend it. And I'm super pumped to hear the interview because I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Well, I adored her. She was awesome. So thank you for booking that. And then on Tuesday, I did a Q&A episode with Lisa, again, who did Outweigh with me at the Well Necessities. And I forgot to do a quote. So I got some notes about that. Like, oh... I loved the Q&A, but there was no quote. And I was like, oh, wow, people are starting to want the quotes on Tuesday. So my third thing today is going to be a quote. And it's one that you probably have heard before, especially if you're a Brene Brown fan, but maybe you're not and you don't know the quote. But it's the quote that changed her life and inspired the title of her book, Daring Greatly. So I'm going to share that. And then um, just a heads up too, this last week was Giving Tuesday. And I don't know why this just popped into my head after Brene Brown. Um, But My Life Speaks, we work with them in there in Nepali, Haiti. They are special needs uh, uh, village. And Mm -hmm. they have orphans and families that they work with with special needs and they're trying to hit 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I saw that on their Giving Tuesday post. And then that way they can do swipe ups. Because once you hit 10,000 people, you can swipe up. So if y'all would do me a solid and let's go try to follow them on Instagram to give them a few more followers at My Life Speaks. So it's not Giving yeah, Tuesday anymore. Awesome. And it's not really giving anything except for a follow. But that would be awesome for them. So we'll call this our, our giving Thursday. (laughs) Um, and then my fourth thing is going to be a healthcare hero shout out. And don't forget at radioamy.com. I have a link where you can sponsor healthcare hero, four things, teas and totes that we're sending them out to different healthcare heroes that we learn about. And it's super cool. And this week, is National Nurses Week, like here. And then next week is International Nurses Week. So all the nurses in the world. So, or Nurses Day or something. So uh, just a good time to recognize nurses. And then did you know this week was Teacher Appreciation Week too? I did. Yeah. I just stumbled upon it this morning, but I saw someone post about it. I know. So it's all the appreciations of people that are very, very important right now. I feel like a lot of teachers probably got, they normally probably get showered with things. And then now 
they're just not that they're out of sight, out of mind, exact opposite. They're out of sight. And most parents like, where the heck is the teacher? Like we need the (laughs) teachers, but you don't really know where to send anything and what's their address. And then everybody else has so many other things going on. Are they taking time to send something? But we do have teacher pullovers and four things totes in case you do decide you want to send something late, you could get their address and then enter that in and it'll be mailed straight to them in case you forgot and you do want to treat them to something. Or since you feel like you've taken over as the teacher, you can treat yourself to something. Um, But don't forget about the real teachers because they're the ones that dedicated their lives to this. And now we've realized how hard it is. And basically every teacher needs a raise. And I'll just remind you, you don't need uh, Nurses Appreciation Week or Teacher Appreciation Day or whatever it is to say thank you to nurses and teachers because I think they're the greatest ever. So gift it all year long. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, whenever you... They're the best. Whatever that looks like, it doesn't even have to be something that we have to gift them. It could be if money's tight, it could be a handwritten note. Just thanking them for what they do. That's it. And we say it all the time. Well, not all the time, but words are free. We've said it a lot here on the podcast. Words are free. So use those to lift somebody up and encourage them. But then also know that we offer a good, like if you're wanting to give back, but you don't know how, that's literally what Espoir and the Shop Forward does is learns about, learn about companies and places and nonprofits that are doing amazing things. And then we sell a cute product that then is tied to the cause. And then it's a win-win for everybody. And you can find links to all that at radioamy.com. And then I'll just say this while you're there, that is where my Amazon favorite things link lives too. Cause I get emails asking, I don't know which episode you talked about this Amazon thing and I don't know where to find it. It's all there radioamy.com. You'll see it right next. There's like a row of things. It's a link to the Bobby Bone Show, a link to my podcast, a link to, you know, four things, a squash shop for it, all the shopping. And then right next to that is a link to Amazon, the things I legit use. So with uh, some of that housekeeping out of the way, let's get started. First thing. Okay, so as I said in the intro, super excited to have Nicole as our first thing today, who's at Kale Junkie on Instagram. And Nicole, thank you for coming back on. I know it's been a minute since you've been on the podcast. I know. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. Yeah. Well, I know that we're all living this very different life at the moment. And for you as a recipe developer, a lifestyle blogger, and putting out content, I'm sure that it's it's different. You have a certain level of responsibility to be sensitive to what's going on in people's lives, but also trying to help them not think about it. And I love that you're giving us amazing food to focus on. That's awesome. But you also give insight to how this scenario, a pandemic, can throw people into old patterns and old ways of thinking. And you're someone that has recovered from an eating disorder and you've been very vocal about that. You've even been on the podcast before speaking very openly about it. And I saw you put up a post a couple of weeks ago, maybe even three, but it was right when we were really in the throes of what is happening in the world. So I know it's a 
it's not a post you put up, you know, this week, but it's still an important one that I wanted to go back and have you talk about to share with others. Because especially with our Outweigh series that I've been doing, which by the way, I don't know if I formally asked you, but I would love for you to be a part of season two. Oh my gosh, I would be so honored. Of Outway, yeah. Yeah, and oh my gosh. To have you be a part of season two would be amazing. But I think anybody that has a past life with disordered eating or they're currently in it, this type of uncertainty and what's going on in the world can bring up thoughts and old habits. And I just really thought your post was important, especially what we're going through. So I wanted you to talk about why you put that post up and if you could just expand on it a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, the post was me standing in front of my mirror, putting on a pair of jeans that I would wear before the whole pandemic situation happened that I'd easily be able to zip up. And the reality is even, you know, three or four weeks into into this situation, I can't zip them up anymore. And things look a little different, you know, physically on my body. There's there's no doubt that I've gained a few pounds. I've, I don't own a scale anymore because I feel like I never want my worth in any way to be tied to numbers on the scale. But if I had to guess, I don't know, maybe five or 10 pounds. And that's just because, you know, hey, we are, you know, for a lot of us, we do deal with, you know, food is a way to deal with, you know, kind of cope with our emotions. And there's a lot of talk about emotional eating and a lot of times why emotional eating is not the best thing. But at the same time, I kind of have a different approach on it. And I feel like everybody copes with different situations in their life differently. Like, so for some people in this pandemic, that is they have extra time or they're using that energy to use fitness to get into their best shape of their lives. And others of us, you know, I'm kind of in the boat where, I'm feeling the feel like food is a way for me to cope. And, and I think that's perfectly okay. And so as a result of that, physically, my body looks a little bit different. And I I, I wouldn't the, the term that I would use is just softer. And that's hard, I think, for a lot of people that have a past of disordered eating or, you know, full-fledged eating disorders where food feels like the one thing in their life that they can control. We're kind of in a situation where, you know, the world feels very uncertain right now. So, you know, we're leaning into foods, we're leaning into comfort, we're leaning into different things to kind of fill our soul. And sometimes that that has a a manifestation on our body physically, and and we're going to come out of this looking a little differently. And the, the whole point for that post was really just to bring awareness to that, because I know so many women and men are feeling this way, that our bodies are changing, and this pandemic isn't going to go on forever. And when we all emerge from this, some of us are going to look a little different. And I don't, I wanted to just point out that how you look physically when we come out is not a sign or it's not indicative at all of how well you coped or you didn't cope with a global pandemic. Yeah, I think that that's, it's important to remember where you're reminding people. I, I think people know it deep down, but we have lies in our head that tell us that's not of where our worth comes from, right? It's our job to remind ourselves and to remind others that your worth doesn't come from, like you were saying, how much you weigh, the number on the scale, or how we emerge from this, whether our genes zip up 
or not. Honestly, I haven't even put on jeans in six weeks, so I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what that will be like for me, but if they don't, I'm going to be okay with it. And I I want that to be the takeaway for, for everybody going through this. And I know that there's a lot of, how do you feel, Nicole, about the memes and the weight gain jokes online? And I don't think it's that we don't have a sense of humor, but for people that are in this world and we're recovering and we're a work in progress and we have old thoughts. So, so really two things. I want you to talk about how you've handled any thoughts that come into your head like when you weren't able to zip up the jeans, was there an initial thought that you had to fight off? And then also I would like your take on uh, scrolling through Instagram, seeing the different jokes about the quarantine 15 and kind of diet culture taking over that we're all going to have to be on diets and lose weight or all emerging from this just sort of fat phobic type stuff. What are your thoughts on both of those things? You know, I'll answer the second part first. You know, I see so much, you know, on, on social media about, you know, the, the 15, gaining 15 pounds or the COVID-19 or or whatnot. And I think that it really does create, you know, especially for people that are having a hard enough time with these body image issues even before a pandemic. And now we're seeing them glorified and made into jokes and it creates a sense of anxiety in people. And you know, even people jokingly say things, comment to my stories, or they'll say something joking, and it's like, it's not funny, because I think they don't consider the fact, I think they're meant, they're meant to be funny and light, but they don't consider the fact that there are people that, you know, have a real problem with this, and they're embarrassed when, when this is all over, when we do come out, like, Okay, so what if I I did I did gain the COVID nineteen or the whatever whatever that is? There's a sense of embarrassment there, like there's something wrong with that, but there is nothing wrong with that. So you know, I guess when I when I see them, I I try my best to shut them down and you know just to remind people that these are just their memes that people put out. Your self worth is not tied to how you look. We're all coping differently, and I think the one tool I would say is. You know, in some of my discussions and events that I've had over the last couple of years, one thing to keep in mind is that our bodies change uh, physically what they look like many times over the course of our lives, right? We, us women that have chosen to have uh, children or different things that happen in our lives, happy moments, sad moments, whatever it is, this is one of those situations where the way at least how I'm able to handle it and deal with it is I'm able to just tell myself, okay, this is a period in time. It's a period of two months or three months or whatever it is where my body has changed shape. It is softer, but it's okay because my body's going to change again. And if I feel like, I guess that's just really the, the crux of it is just kind of reminding myself that, okay, this is it. We're so many of us are, um, going through it together and that sense of community and reaching out to other people and, and, and keeping the conversation going and, and being open about all of the, the struggles that we're going through and we're all going to emerge one way or the other and we're all going to get through it. Thank you for answering that part. And yes. then any thoughts that you have to, you know, tell your brain to just not allow to, to, for them to be in there anymore, just to give yeah. people a reminder that, we're never all, even though I would classify you as on the other side of yeah. 
your eating disorder and me too, but I'm still such a work in progress, but just to give people that encouragement and that it's totally normal if you're still having thoughts, like what's something that you have to do to, sh- to shut it down. Do you have a name for your eating disorder? I had bulimia and ex- like excessive binge eating. No, but did you, or was it in the book that I read because oh. of you, Brain Over Binge, where you have the name, yeah. like, you know, Ed. Oh, well, some people voice. say Ed the or voice. Nancy or... Yes, Karen is the voice. Karen. <laughs> Karen is the voice. Okay. Yeah. So, I, sorry, I thought it was Karen was the yeah. name of the eating disorder because my therapist recently <laughs> told me I really need to start talking to mine in a name and but yours was your voice so what is have you had to have a talk with Karen during the pandemic yeah I I really have and things that I would tell Karen is I tell her to to be quiet really is that she pops up in the on the back of my shoulder she's kind of always there this like little devilish figure I would say that is filled with negative self-talk so I look at her and I say calm down or be quiet think on the other side, you don't, I, I still don't always look in the mirror and love what I see. So I tell Karen, be quiet, calm down, get back there. But I'm, I try to be infinitely like grateful for what my body does and separate that from how my body looks. So even if I don't, you know, love how it looks in this pandemic, I don't think we, I don't think we have to like actually love the way our body looks a hundred percent of the time to be healed from our eating disorder or, or disordered eating or whatnot. But I think we can, we need to separate that from the fact that our bodies are actually getting us through this time. And so whenever that voice pops back up in my head with the negative self-talk, I'm like, okay, but I'm getting through and I'm badass. The physical part is going to change. It's all going to shift. We're all going to get back to the, our normal day-to-day lives where we're all more active and have that kind of more of an endorphin rush going where we're feeling better while we are in this. Hey, Karen, get back there because my body is getting me through this time. So that's kind of the way I've been, you know, kind of handling that, that voice that, that pops up. Awesome. That's exactly what I wanted to know. So thank you for sharing that part. Cause I think that can be a tool for some people that might be thinking, <laughs> What what can I yeah. do with that voice? How do I need to talk to it? And you can name it, then you can talk to it and tell it to just calm down, be quiet. I don't have time for you right now. But then also in a totally separate conversation with yourself, honor your body and be thankful for it and all of the amazing things that it's doing on a daily basis besides yeah. just how it looks or feels. So yeah, Nicole, I just, I appreciate you sharing that post and then some of your wisdom with us. Before you go, I want you to share with everybody uh, two recipes, a savory one and a sweet one. Now y'all, Nicole has some of the best recipes up on her website. Just go to kalejunkie.com to find them all. But I wanted her to shout out two specific ones for us. And I don't know for sure, for sure what you're going to go with, but I've definitely seen some good ones on your Instagram. So I'm excited to see what you're going to say. Yeah, well, um, so gosh, I have been cooking so much more, I feel like, as we all have. But one of my favorite savory recipes these days is it's a chicken burrito casserole. And the reason why I love this particular savory recipe is because it's one pot. Like, you just 
throw everything into a big casserole dish and you bake it, and it is truly such a great comfort food, You can and you can customize it any way you want. You can use white rice, brown rice, you can use regular cheese, vegan cheese, beans, no beans. You can really just make it your own, and it comes together quickly with ingredients that you can find mostly in your pantry and take advantage of all those canned beans and things that are stored away. And then my one of my most popular sweet recipes these days, I have chocolate milkshake cookies that are on my blog, and they have marshmallows in them and chocolate, and they are absolutely to die for. People are making that recipe, like, every single day, and I, I can't repost them fast enough. So... There's a white chocolate version as well. You've got two to choose from, the dark chocolate and the white chocolate milkshake cookies, both of them on my blog. Okay, simply like having the word milkshake in a cookie recipe <laughs> has me <laughs> super excited to make those. Now, my daughter and I have made your tahini chocolate chip cookies recently and your cinnamon rolls, and so now I'm going to have to add both of these two dishes to our list for sure. I've been using cooking with her as sort of school lessons at times because, hey, yeah. we got to do what we got to do. And she is learning a lot, but it's been good bonding for us. So yeah, I'm excited for these recipes and I'm sure a lot of my listeners will be too. And y'all be sure to check out Nicole again at Kale Junkie on Instagram and then kalejunkie.com. And Nicole, you just joined TikTok too, right? I did. I did. I finally broke down to do it. I'm having so much fun with it. Kale Junkie on TikTok. Yes. Okay, cool. We'll check her out there in case any of you guys on here are super cool <laughs> and you're on TikTok. I swear, my daughter kind of runs my TikTok account, but... I need, I need to go find you and follow you on there. Well, I'm, Radio Amy was taken... And I wasn't even paying attention. And I thought I legit got Radio Amy because they suggested it for me. And I thought, oh, wow, yeah. I got Radio Amy's available. But I'm Radio Amy 7. So that's oh. so random. But I'm Radio Amy 7. And all of my videos are Stashira, basically. So. Okay. Well, just so you know, I, Kale Junkie was taken, too. And I actually appealed it because I really wanted my name. And oh. you can do that. Oh. <laughs> okay. Good to know. I might have to look into that. Thank you for that tip, too. <laughs> You're full of, full of all the wisdom today. I know. Um, okay, well, I hope that you have a good day. And I want to have you on again. My next guest on today's episode is Paula Ferris. And she had a book come out. And it's all about a big career change she made, leaving her life in news and journalism and giving up major career job. And some of y'all may or may not know, but Nicole used to be a lawyer. And she left that life. So, Nicole, I would like for you to come back on and talk about that in the coming weeks if you have time would love to thanks so much amy for your time and for everything yeah okay i'll talk to you soon all right bye, bye. all right i want to tell you about something really awesome that macy's is doing it is currently asian american and pacific islander heritage month and Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. 
You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in store. All right. So I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover-up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. Second thing. 
Okay, so I'm super excited to have Paula Ferris on today. She's actually on the phone with me right now. Hey, Paula. Hey there. How you doing, Aim? Hey, I'm doing so good. And you've got a new book, and it's called Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. And full disclosure, my friend Chase, which... I don't know if you've been messaging him at all. He had Chase Locke. Chase Locke, yes. So, and he's on my podcast a lot, so my listeners know who he is. But Chase, I blame it on him. He had my copy of your book, and it was his place. And then he left, got stuck in Kansas because he was supposed to be in New York, and then coronavirus happened. He lives about half a mile from me, and I haven't seen him in six weeks because of this. So uh-huh. he has my book, but he got to read it, and he absolutely loved it. And soon I'll get my copy back, and I'll get to read it. So <laughs> no, this is kind of in reverse. Normally I have people on after I've read their book, but now I'm having you on, and I feel I'm even more intrigued because I don't know everything that you're going to say. And Mm -hmm. I hope that if anybody feels the way you're feeling, and I think Chase actually, because he knows me so well, he not that I need to up and change my job or anything, but there's parts of my life that I kind of need to figure out a little bit. And I think he was excited for me to have a chat with you. And so I know a lot of my listeners are going to like our talk. So the first thing I have to get into is the Apple assault that started it all. I saw that as as a topic that we could talk about. And I even talked to Chase about it. He said, yeah, have her tell you, but somebody threw an apple at her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, at the height of my career, Amy, I was anchoring Good Morning America weekends and I was co-hosting The View. And I mean, I was on the fast track. I was on top of the world career-wise, but my personal life was up in flames. So this professional high, personal low, relationships with suffering with God, my kids, uh, my husband, uh, my health started suffering. I wasn't attending church as, as, as much as I wanted to. And like these professed values that have been so part of my core my whole life were, were completely contradictory to the choices that I was making, both professionally and personally. And at the height of my career, so I knew that, that like, God, I know you called me to do this. So if so, why is my personal life, why is everything suffering right now? And I sensed in my spirit that God really wanted to, to move me out of this space space that I'd worked so hard and you know I was like wait but you called me here so why do you want me to step aside and I ignored those signs okay I knew that that God had been trying to get my attention and then I go through this personal crisis where I feel like God allowed this crisis to happen to get my attention and it was five events unfortunate events that happened in a really short period of time I write about it in the book Amy I call it my season of hell and it was a miscarriage, which is subsequent uh, emergency surgery. It was that Apple incident, which I'll explain in a second. And then the day I got cleared to go back to work after the Apple incident, which caused a concussion, I was in a head-on car crash, and then influenza, and then pneumonia. And I was like, all right, God, you got my attention. I'll step to the side, and I step to the side. And then once I do, I walk away from these dream jobs. I realize I don't know who I am outside of them. This has become my purpose, and it's become my identity. And so that's where much of the book is written to try to unpack, like, how did I get it so wrong 
wait, 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 but like society tells us to lean into career and that's what I was doing and this is my purpose, but I have this shift in vocation all of a sudden I don't know who I am anymore. But this Apple incident was like just an example of my life couldn't get any weirder. I was down on Wall Street. This was a couple of years ago. We were experiencing a huge bull run in, on Wall Street, the market, and I was getting ready to go live for Good Morning America. And like 10 seconds before we go live, and I'll have to show you the video sometime. Um, it happened before we went live, so luckily it wasn't live because then I would have been known as the Apple girl forever and ever, and that would have been embarrassing. But these high school kids, presumably, the NYPD looked at the surveillance tape. They were running down uh, the subway steps, but right before they did, uh, one of them launched an Apple. And, of course, I couldn't see it because I'm facing the camera and I'm getting ready to go live. And threw it at my head. They said it was traveling about 60 miles an hour. So I basically took a 60-mile-an-hour fastball to the back of my head. And the apple just exploded in smithereens. I mean, I felt like I had apple juice in my hair. And I had a concussion from it. So that knocked me out of work for three weeks. But it was in that moment. I'm like, who gets hit in the head with an apple like that hard and then gets knocked out? So that was one of those incidents where... I'm like, I feel like God had to literally hit me upside the head to get my attention because I wasn't paying attention to him. Oh, wow. Crazy, though. I mean, I have heard of God using all kinds of things to get people's attention. It's definitely the first time I've heard an apple being used. So, I, I mean, I know um, I write it. I write in the book. I'm like, I get hit in the head with an apple in the big apple. Could my life get any weirder? And it was just like, OK, God, really? Come on. So. And so with the apple thing and then the the five other. Well, that may be one mm-hmm. of the five things that happened. It was one during, of the five things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your season of hell. Like then, like, what was your aha moment? I mean, yeah, it, I think the whole like I'm going through it. And, you know, even when I had the miscarriage, it didn't slow down. That happened when I was interviewing Sean Spicer with his first big interview. And, you know, I had the emergency surgery after the miscarriage and rushed back to work. And the concussion, and I wanted to rush back to work. The day I got cleared to go back to work, I was so excited. I'm like, finally, my identity, my purpose for being here is back. And then I get in a head-on car crash literally five minutes after I got the email that cleared me to go back to work. And then when I got influenza, which turned into pneumonia, that really slowed my health down. And that's when I, like, it was that, that final straw of that, of that season where I said, okay, I'll obey. This is crazy, but I get it. Like, I, I shouldn't, like, you, you called me to this, but you didn't call me to lose sight of what's important. So how how did you realize what your calling was? So you had these dream jobs. You've decided at this point Mm -hmm. are likely going to be letting them go. So Mm -hmm. I kind of can see now, you know, asking you why you did that. I'm like, because you got a straight up clear message from God. (laughs) That's why. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. But what was that process like for you and knowing, okay, this is the right thing to do. And I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't easy. No, I mean, I was scared as hell, honestly, because I was paralyzed by my fear, scared of what I was walking away from, the height of my career. This is crazy. A lot of people thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. And then I was really scared of what I was walking into, the unknown. It's not like I sensed God saying, come out of this. I'm calling you out of this space, and I've got this cushy gig over here for you. I just sensed him saying, just obey and step into faith and just trust me. I had no idea what was really on the other side. 
And, you know, like, like I write about in the book, it was in that season where, you know, I walked away and I had no clue who I was. No clue. My identity was completely wrapped up in what I did. My purpose was completely wrapped up in doing. And it was in that season where I write a lot of the book, Amy, and that's when God really revealed that, you know, we have, calling is one of those words that we throw around a lot in society, but also in churches. Like, I remember a prominent pastor saying not long ago that you don't have to find your calling, it'll find you. And I'm like, what does that mean? And also, why is it synonymous with career? lean in. That's what we're taught to do, to lean in, and it's always career-driven. We're taught that our value is vocation, that our worth is our work, and that calling is career. You know, what's your name, Amy, and what do you do for a living? We ask our kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? As if doing and doing and being is the only thing that you bring to society and rather, rather than who you are. So in that space, God really just revealed to me that we have these two callings on our life. So it's not no longer a word that we can just throw around. We need to say we have a faith calling, which I also refer to in the book as your purpose, and then we have a vocational calling. So faith calling or your purpose is, is who you are. It's why you're on this earth. It's the sole reason you're on this earth, and it's never going to change, not with a personal crisis, not with, you know, an episode, not with a pandemic, and that's, for me, it's to love God and love people. It has nothing to do with career. For so long, Amy, my purpose was tied to doing. My purpose was, I'm Paula Ferris, and I'm the co-anchor of Good Morning America and the host of The View, and I'm here on this earth to be the best broadcaster that I can be. That was so skewed, so skewed. I'm here to love God and love people. Career has nothing to do with that. So my faith calling and purpose don't change. My vocational calling does change. And vocation is what I do, not who I am. And it's just the vehicle by which I love God and love people. And vocation can branch out. Vocation has seasons. We shouldn't see ourselves so one-dimensionally. So I had to first accept that my work wasn't my work anymore. And once I did that and I had to remember, like, okay, God has placed me here not to win awards, not not for the accolade and the spotlight, which by and large can still happen, okay? But God has placed me here to love God and love people, and that's it. And that's what I have to remember wherever I'm placed, in whatever season, whatever vocational capacity that I'm in. And so that was a big lesson for me. And it's just been so freeing because I, I know I see vocation now not as just so, we're not so one-dimensional, we can branch out. We can see vocation as seasonal. Like, I don't have to do what I'm doing the rest of my life. God can use my gifts and talents in so many different capacities. Like, imagine vocation as a branch. You have healthy branches coming from the vine, and the vine is your faith calling and your purpose. And as long as those branches are connected and remember what they're doing and who they're doing it for, why they're doing it, you can branch out in so many different ways. So it's just, it, I don't see myself one-dimensionally, and it's been so freeing. And so, I mean, you mentioned right when you stepped away, you just didn't even know who you were. What has that journey been like, discovering yourself? Well, it was a journey of humility and groveling and shaking my fist at God for a while. Like, why did you call me here only to see me fail so spectacularly? Why did you let me leave so much on the table? But also eating a plate of crow, a large plate of it, and accepting that I'd gotten it all wrong because I don't know about you, Amy, but like in, as a as a woman of faith, yes, it's been a journey for me, but I've maintained throughout my career that 
you know, I'm not defined by what I do. I'm defined by who I am, a wife and a mother and a child of God. And I long said that I could walk away and I'd still know who I was. But God said, okay, we're going to test that out. And when he called me out of that space and I obeyed and I pushed past my fears, scared as hell, stepped out in faith, I realized I didn't know. And so there was a lot of guilt. Like, why isn't it just enough to love God and love people? Why isn't it just enough to be a Jesus lover and be a wife and a mother? Why doesn't that fulfill me? Why don't I feel that I have any value and worth outside of career? So a lot of introspection, a lot of guilt, a lot of humility. But that's where you learn. That's where you you learn through your failures. And I've learned so much more through my failures, Amy, than I have through my successes. And I wouldn't trade it. I don't have any regrets because God had a lot to teach me. And then what about, you know, you mentioned when you were, your career was just rolling and you had all these things happening, but your personal life was not doing so hot. I'm sure it wasn't overnight, but once you did surrender and say, okay, and that you let that go, and then you were figuring out this new calling slowly but surely, what was happening with your personal life? My personal life was a dumpster fire. Honestly, like I hadn't spent time with my husband um, away from the kids in years. There was a growing disconnect there. My kids were getting my leftovers. My health was suffering. I wasn't connected at church. I wasn't really even attending church very regularly. But when I, you know, when God called me into this new season, it was like he restored so much of that. And that's been the most beautiful aspect where I I do feel like I have balance now. And I do feel like I see work for what it is now. It's, It's finding that balance between still loving what you do, Amy, but not being defined by it. And it's a tough balance. It is a tough balance, especially when we're told repeatedly from society to lean in, aren't we? I mean, Sheryl Sandberg wrote a whole book about it. It's all about career. It's all about leaning in and pressing into things that change, things that shift, especially during a crisis. So, you know, my husband has said the last, you know, year and a half, two years have been like some of the best years of our married life. It's the reconnection. And I feel like we've been given a second chance in many, in many ways. And I feel like I just, I'm looking at life and why I'm here in a totally different way, through a totally different lens. And I won't say, like, you know, you can sense when something's off, like my spirit was off. I knew that that, that I needed to make a change. And people ask me, how do I know when I need to change? How, how can I sense, like, how do I trust that intuition? And, like, you can have a peace about something but still be scared as heck about it. I had a peace in my gut, but I was freaked out. Like, fear and a peace can coexist. And I think we're, we're trained so often that trust your gut, trust your intuition. But then the moment we feel fear, we, we confuse that. And we're like, no, I'm scared. I'm scared of it, so I'm not going to go for it. But fear isn't something that we conquer. We are, will be plagued by fear. Unfortunately, like our, we should expect fear and anticipate fear to, to crop its ugly head throughout our life. But it's on us to press into it and to take that step of faith. Like Martin Luther King says, faith is taking that first step when you can't see the rest of the staircase. And you think about the moments, the touch points in your life where you pressed into your fear and stepped out in faith, and they've probably been some of the more rewarding moments of your life, right? But you have to press into the fear, and you have to push through it and step out in faith. And I'm just, I want to encourage people that feel like maybe they need to take that step but are scared to, do it 
And if you're a person of faith, I mean, God's promise that he's going to meet you in it and through it, and he's going to be there alongside of it. In the same way he's with Moses, he'll be with you. And um, I claim that. So I know you have three ways to determine if you're in the right vocation, because some people might be listening to this and they, they're like, wait a second, is she totally talking straight to me right now? And how do I determine, you know, yeah. what the heck I'm supposed to do? So what yeah. would your advice be to that person that's thinking that? So like once you really can separate the callings on your life, your purpose and your faith calling from your vocational calling, um, I conducted an interview and I don't want to take credit for this, but it's like probably the most profound thing that I've heard when it comes to vocational calling in my life. I interviewed a, a gentleman by the name of David Shedd, and he's a high-level government guy. He used to be in charge of the intelligence agencies post-9-11, so the FBI and CIA. And I wanted to interview him, Amy, because he had written that he felt called to go into government. And I said, David, I am so sick of people, especially people of faith, throwing this word around so casually, but yet it's such a confusing word. It's so loaded. It's so ambiguous and so related to career. Can you explain to me and articulate what calling looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like? And he said vocational calling is three things, Amy. It is what are you good at? What do you love and what do other people that are trusted in your life? I'm not talking about trolls on the Internet or, like, casual acquaintances. What you trust in people that you do life with and you trust, notice that you're good at and you love. It's not enough just to be good at it and for other people to notice you're good at it. It's not enough just to love it. You have to be good at it. You have to love it. And trusted people in your life have to notice you're good at it and you love it. I'll give you an example. Like, growing up, my name was Paula 20 Questions. I've always been innately curious. I love to ask why, get to the bottom of it. Like, I'm just curious by nature. And then my high school teacher, my drama teacher, Mr. Barsoon, was the first one that said, you should go into broadcasting. And that was supported by my college professors who said, you should really be on air. So, like, I had all three of those things lining up. But to give you an example of what it doesn't look like, my very dear friend, who is a business correspondent, brilliant mind, she should be, I, I've, I've been telling her for a long time, she should be a consultant. She's so good at it and talented at it. Other people have, have spoken life into this capacity, but she, I, I mentioned this to her and she's like, I'm good at it, but I don't love it. So for her, she's not being vocationally called into that area. So again, ask yourself, what am I good at? What do I love? And what do other people that I really value in my life, what do they notice that I'm good at it and I love? Ooh. I just feel like sometimes somebody else that's close to you in your life knows a little mm-hmm. bit more about you than, than you do. A hundred percent. And and it's not like, and stop thinking of yourself so one-dimensional. They're not going to say you're a good engineer. They're not going to say you're a good nurse. They're not going to say I'm a good broadcaster. So stop thinking of yourself in those capacities and trapping yourself thinking, I'm never going to do anything else the rest of my life. I remember saying I couldn't do anything outside of broadcasting. I'm not good at anything else. But that was such a lie, because when you peel back the layers, what makes me a good broadcaster? What makes you a good radio personality, Amy? What makes your listener a good nurse? Strip back those layers and and uncover those talents and gifts that people are speaking life into. Is it your leadership that people notice you're a good leader and you love leading and uh, and you're good at it and people notice it? Is it, you know, that you're a motivator or you're an encourager or you're curious or... Like, this is what I'm talking about when, like, vocational calling. And then once you, once you can unpack these things that you're good at, that you love, and that people speak life into, 
you know, you can use that in a myriad of different capacities. Just think about, like, I love to ask questions. I get to the bottom of things. I fight for people. That can be used in so many different branches of vocation for me, not just broadcasting. So I've limited myself this entire time. So don't limit yourself once you uncover, you know, those things that you're good at and that you love and that people notice you're good at it and you love. So stop backing yourself into a corner and stop accepting your one-dimensional. Stop accepting that you have to do this the rest of your life. Give yourself the permission to see vocation as well as, you know, seasonal, as an opportunity to branch out. But it's all rooted in knowing that this isn't your work. Your work isn't your worth. It's just the way you're gonna that you're gonna fulfill your purpose. Remember what you're doing and who you're doing it for. Love that. If this is resonating with anybody, I just want to encourage you to go check out Called Out Why I Traded two dream jobs for a life of true calling because that's Paula's book and you can find more about what she's just shared with us today and before you go I would love to hear from you four things that you're grateful for if you happen to have some yeah and I want to apologize I feel like I've turned into like a preacher slash motivational speaker (laughs) like I don't know what is going on but I'm just super passionate about the message and of the book. And again, it's not, you haven't read it yet, but once you read it, Amy, you'll realize it's not just my story. I'm not that interesting. I conduct a lot of interviews and anecdotes and observations of other people who've also misplaced their significance and found it in their purpose and things that shift and change and how you root into a life of true calling and true purpose that don't change when when the times change. But things I'm thankful for, and you're going to laugh, mascara. Oh, yeah. um, I, I listen. I mean, dry shampoo. Thank you, baby Jesus, for dry shampoo, tequila, and also I'm thankful for grace because grace is something we all need right now because we're all swerving out of our lanes and we are all out of our comfort zones. And grace is something we need to give to ourselves and also give to others around us, especially our children. I mean, my children are literally the devil incarnate right now, but I have to remember that as strange and unprecedented as this time is for us as adults, and we don't know how to really respond and how to, like, we're internalizing it. Just imagine, you know, being six years old or 10 years old or 12 years old. Those are the ages of my kids. Like, how can I expect them, you know, to respond in a coherent way and a thoughtful way when I don't, when, when we're all faced this, this unprecedented moment. So, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm 39 and I have, I need my husband to have grace on me and my kids to have <laughs> grace. Like, yeah, there's grace to be had for the children, but there's, Amen. we need it too, because there's been moments where I have looked at my husband and thought, well, we just sent our son to therapy in about 20 years and the therapist is going to ask him what happened and he's going to have a flashback and he's going to tell the therapist, well, it was the year of coronavirus and my my parents were nuts and we were trapped inside the house and everyone was, I mean, yeah, there's school going on. My husband and I are both still working full time from home and there's just, there's just a lot happening. And I have a dad who is elderly with a compromised immune system and lives in an assisted living home. And I'm super stressed out because I can't see him. And like, there's just Mm -hmm. anxiety and stress that I never saw coming. Of course, there's always that in life given certain things. But, you know, back in December when we were on the show talking about this 
coronavirus that was in China, I literally did not see this coming. And I'm sure experts did, but, but I didn't. And so I am just like, what? I was not prepared for any of this, as I'm sure a lot of people. So Grace is... I know. Probably my new, I had, you know, you have words for the year, <laughs> and, yeah. but you set them on January 1st. Like, what's my word for the year going to be? And now I, I feel know. like my word just changed to grace because. It's, it's so good. And I think we have to accept also, we're going to send our kids to therapy for something. So like, just, just accept that as well. Like, I know whether it's how we're responding right now or something down the road, like, you know, I, I mean, my parents sent me to therapy, and I, I love my parents. So, like, just there's no perfect parent. There's no perfect kid. So, I said, well, I don't know. I certainly don't have perfect children. I don't know about you, but oh. my kids are certainly not perfect, and neither am I. So. No, we're, we're, we're all just, I had told my husband, I felt like we're just surviving this Mm -hmm. and yeah but he was in the military for 12 years so he has a little bit of a different perspective which is he's the yin to my yang and while I think it's okay to have that perspective he like my perspective of oh I just feel like we're we're just surviving nothing is good or great we're all just getting by and he looked at me one day and he said I was at war for 12 years of my career (laughs) And I've been to survival training and this is not surviving. You, I will show you surviving mm-hmm. and then we can talk. But don't, yeah. this is our new, this is our life right now. This is our, our, the new way we have to live and we just need to suck it up and make the best of it. Like this is, how are yeah. we going to live? Not just survive. Yeah. Let's live. And so I thought, yeah, that's so good. Why do you have to drop the wisdom on me right now? <laughs> because... I Why do you have to be the mature one in the room? Please. Right. I know. Why? Why? I mean, fine. I get it. But then when I had that perspective of, oh, yeah. And I mean, his is just, a, you know, a military perspective of legit being in the middle of Afghanistan trying to survive where there's also, you know, I think of people that are have a, a chronic disease right now or they have cancer or an yeah. illness like that's they literally are surviving, then it's, it helps mm-hmm. to have that perspective. And then here in Nashville, we just got over having a tornado. A tornado. Yeah. A month and a half ago. And yeah. people are getting hit double. And I just say this as a reminder, again, to like have grace, but then also, and you can, I, I like to encourage people to be in all of their feelings, whatever they're feeling. The, the highs yeah. and the lows, feel them all. And it's okay to be sad yeah. about something that seems insignificant. I'm not saying one person's troubles are more important than yours. I mean, I'm irritated because, yeah, I get lash extensions and they've all fallen out and I can't go get them. <laughs> like, God love so, you. God, God love you for admitting that, though. But, I mean, keeping it real. I, I, I took my dog to curbside grooming and I'm like, what is up with this? I can drop my, my dog off and my dog comes back looking beautiful, but I can't like there's no grooming for humanity right we can't go get our hair done but again I have those moments from low and then I go walk I mean my neighborhood was a neighborhood that was specifically hit by the tornado luckily our house was spared but we were hunkered down in one of our bathrooms as a family like not knowing what was going to happen in the next few minutes but I walk down the street and I see the homes that are still, you know, devastated from the tornado. And I'm like, you know, Mm. that's just perspective. It's okay for me to be upset about X, Y, and Z that are insignificant. 
but mm-hmm. it's also healthy for me to recognize too that they just how insignificant they are but it's okay to mourn yeah. them or like if you like right now people that have had to cancel their wedding or I mean yeah that's it's terrible but also then you've got other people that are losing family members because of a virus like and you had to cancel yeah. your wedding like which would you take so yeah I mean people are they're losing on 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 such a large scale, such a visceral level. Job, money, like finances, wedding, significant moments in life. I can't imagine losing a loved one. And I also think, too, um, it's a matter of, just like I was allowed that personal crisis a couple of years ago, I do feel like there's an opportunity here, though. And maybe that's the optimist in me, but like there's an opportunity for a lot of us to really just reset because we're forced to be still. And we're forced to reassess. And I think we're going to look back at this time and say, wow, I made the most of that opportunity or wow, I really whiffed. I agree. In fact, on last week's podcast, I shared a message from my pastor, the previous. And actually, our church is Church of the City in Nashville, but there's there's the same church and it's the same family. They're from Australia Mm -hmm. in Times Square. So they piped in on YouTube they just put the New York City pastor on everybody's feed. And that's pretty much was his message. Like, how do you want to come out of this on the other side? And look at this as a, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of really bad things happening. And he obviously wasn't talking about if you are home and you are able to have time with your kids and your family, like, are you going to sit there watching the news, freaking out about coronavirus and becoming an expert on it? Are you going to Find the facts that you need, then turn the TV off and get to know your kids. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, it's what are you going to do with this? Your our churches both originate in Australia because I go to Hillsong Church. Oh, okay. Uh, I was I was listening to part of your podcast and and you mentioned Australia and I was like, oh, so cool. But yeah, I know. I think we're we're you know, are we going to make the most of this opportunity? And yes, tragedy and opportunity can coexist in the same. They're they're not mutually exclusive. They can they can happen at the same time. I think it's on us whether we want to make those tough choices and press into our fear and make some tough decisions. I'm actually, I'm like totally creeping on your Instagram right now. And I love this pimp and joy camo hat that you're wearing. I don't know when you posted this, but it's really, really cute. It's so hashtag pimp and joy. Oh, thank you. That was at the beginning of quarantine when I was totally given up on washing my hair. And I think I was wearing a hat every day. And my kids and my husband were actually gone the first part of quarantine because they went on spring break. It was before it got really bad, and but I still had to yeah. work. And so then they got stuck in Texas because my husband ended up getting sick while he was there, not with coronavirus, but we didn't know. And so he didn't want to travel. And then their school started. So anyway, they were gone for, they were supposed to be gone for six days and they were gone for 15 days. So it was really awesome, but awful at the same time. And I was taking Mm -hmm. my dog on really long walks and yeah, not washing my hair and just putting a hat on. And I'm sure my dog was like, this is amazing. How do you have all this extra time? (laughs) Because I was doing my job, but then I didn't have you know, kids, you know, and a husband and all the stuff. And I'm sure my dog, when they got back, was a little bit depressed. Like, okay, I'll go back over here to my, <laughs> to my cage. But Pimp and Joy, have, has Chase 
told you about what that means? No. Oh, okay. I didn't know how much y'all had talked, but my mom, she was uh, diagnosed with cancer in 2012. And her so um, motto, oh, well, thank you. We She lost her battle in 2014. But Pimp and Joy, it is an answer to my mom's prayer. So it's a good thing. Her motto when she first got diagnosed, she just came to me and my sister and told us and said, I just want to laugh and I'm going to choose joy because that's, I feel like that's what I need to do to get through this. And so, and she knew where her joy came from and that was the Lord. And she pretty much, we maintained that not every day was super joyful. I don't want to mislead anybody. There was some hard days for sure, but the overall theme was joy. And then she wanted to start a Twitter because my listeners were following her story. Well, I wanted her to start a Twitter. And we were trying to find a Twitter name and Judy chooses joy and all that was taken. Like everything was taken. So we ended up going with, I jokingly typed in Judy B. Pimp and Joy and it was available. And so that was her Twitter handle. And then hashtags became big. And so then we started the hashtag Pimp and Joy because Judy was Pimp and Joy and we wanted to know how our listeners were choosing joy in their life and spreading joy to others. So then Pimp and Joy, the so hashtag good, is Amy. That's so good. Yeah. And so then after she passed away, she doesn't even know that any of this has happened, but well, she does from heaven, but she, mm-hmm. one of her last, she got diagnosed a few times. And on the last one, we went to the chapel at MD Anderson and her prayer was super selfless. And it just said, she didn't say, Lord, heal me, nothing. She just said, Lord, use this cancer for good. And so oh, now we gosh. have a whole Pimp and Joy merch line. We have shirts and hats and totes and whatnot. But she would freak out if she knew that to this day, 100% of all proceeds go to various causes. And to this day, we've donated over $2 million to oh, all kinds of places. What a legacy. And so, yes. So to me, Pimp and Joy is an answer. Anytime I see somebody out and about wearing a hat or a shirt, it's legit an answer to my mom's prayer because somebody bought that to spread joy to someone else and they're, they're repping that they're choosing joy for themselves. And that's, that's what she, she wanted was for her cancer to be used for good. So I just thought I would explain that to you in case you were curious, like what is pimping? No, and if I were you and if I would see people out and about wearing this merch, I would probably fall. I have (laughs) hunted people down one time so much. So we were in Austin, Texas, and I, saw a guy crossing the street in a Pimp and Joy hat. And this was early on. Now we see them a little bit more than we used to because we've over the years, we've just shipped out so much stuff. And, you know, we hang out in places, a lot of cities that our listeners are in. So it's cool. Actually, okay. I saw uh, one in Times Square once, which was crazy because what are the odds? But in that one, I didn't have an incident on. I just kind of geeked out. But in Austin, I looked back and was yelling at the person because I wanted them to see me, but they were all the way across the street. And I just wanted to say, I love your hat. And (laughs) boom, I ran right into a tree. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like it was bad. (laughs) Everyone rushed over. I mean, the listener saw it and they felt horrible. They rushed (laughs) over. I thought I'd knocked a tooth out. Like my knee was bruised. Um, It was pretty, I was like, well, I just want to tell you. Like the irony, am I going to, am I going to choose joy in this moment right now? (laughs) Or like your mom's like, okay, Amy, are you going to, even though you just ran into a tree, are you going to choose joy right now? Yeah. Well, Paula, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you for coming on. I'd love to send you some pimp and joy stuff. And then since you're. Oh, I love 
Love to support it. Yeah. Well, and since your four things that you shared are so cute, we also have <laughs> these four things totes that we make. And I am pretty sure that mascara, dry shampoo, tequila, and grace will look super cute on a tote. So I'm going to make that and send that your way too. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. Yeah. I can't well, wait. Thank you so much. And yeah, everybody called out. That is the name of Paula's book. You might just read it and you never know. Be prepared for maybe something to happen in your life for sure. Uh, it, I, this has been such a highlight. I love getting to know you. I feel like we have a nice connection and I really just like you're just a warm personality. And I've done a lot of interviews, but like there's something really warm about you. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that means a lot. I I was a little nervous, full disclosure, coming on because I've been in radio for 14 years, but I Mm -hmm. had zero aspirations for it. In fact, I don't even know how I got to where I am. I mean, I just happened to be friends with Bobby and he wanted his friends on the radio. So, and then our show, I kind of thought I'd do it for a few years and then quit. And then it kind of got bigger and bigger and then now there's no turning back I guess unless yeah yeah unless I read your book (laughs) um, no no but you're an example too like when God calls you vocationally into a certain area that you may feel like you're not equipped for he always equips you he always does that's true he he that I've seen that happen in certain areas where I know that he has shown up and given me the strength Mm -hmm, of the words mm -hmm. to get through something. But whenever I have someone on that, this is like, you're a journalist. You've been on good morning, America, the view. And I have to tell you, I've always been obsessed with Robin Roberts. (laughs) I love her. Uh, Oh yeah. I love her. Love her. I write, I write about her a lot in the book. She was one of the people that one of those trusted people that really like encouraged me to press into my fear and, when I was really scared and going to take a step to the side, I went in her office and there's a, a really great story about how instrumental she was in my life and how instrumental she continues to be. She's a huge part of the story, a really big part of my story. Oh, I'm grateful wow. for her. I love that so yeah. much. But yeah, but yeah. to know that you've worked with her and then your career, I was a little nervous having you on because I was like, well, she's not... I don't. I don't know who she's used to interviewing with, but I'm de- definitely. I promise I don't bite. I don't bite at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. You were amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Chase, have you seen Brene Brown's Netflix special, "The Call to Courage"? Oh yeah. I watched it when it first came out. It's been a while. I know. Yeah. It's been a while for me, too. I'm thinking I want to go rewatch it. I might need to. Yeah, I think I might rewatch it now that you say that. Let's do that. That'll be our homework. Okay. And then maybe anyone else listening, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you watch it. If you, it's been a minute, like for me and for Chase, then maybe rewatch it because it's so good. And I bring that up because Brene, like I said in the intro, is who inspired uh, the quote for today. And it's not a quote from her, but it's a quote that changed her life. And it's from Theodore Roosevelt. And here it is. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, 
who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does not actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. I love it. Wise man. So, so good. And I'm sure a lot of us appreciate uh, Brene Brown and her being moved by that. And I, I went ahead and... And I mean, even bringing it to more people's attention is what I mean by that. But I went ahead and looked up what is the meaning of man in the arena. And that is someone who is heavily involved in a situation that requires courage, skill, or tenacity, as opposed to someone sitting on the sidelines and watching is sometimes referred to as the man in the arena. And so I feel like a lot of times too, like you have to be okay with because you're in it and you're going to fail and that's okay. At least you're trying. But then sometimes we let voices get into our head from people who are on the sidelines watching. And they mean, not, what they have to say means nothing because they're not in it. Yeah. And unless, of course, they're offering you encouragement and they're being positive and they're offering you something in that way. Yes, of course, from the sidelines, what they have to say means something. But if they're trying to bring you down and they're negative, uh, Lisa, who I do, I, I feel like I, I should just be able to say Lisa now, but if you're a new listener, you won't know that's who I did Outweigh With, which is my the series we did on disordered eating. And she got some really nasty uh, DMs on Instagram. And it really brought her down. And I know what it's like to have to grow thick skin, but I just reminded her that, in, and by the way, someone took the time. It's not like they were just hiding behind a keyboard. She realized they set up a, a totally fake account to then come and attack her. And so they weren't only just hiding behind a keyboard, and but they were hiding behind a fake account. And so I just had to remind her that, you know, that what they have to say means nothing. Like you are doing good work and you can't have people try to drag you down and want to crawl into your bed and turn off Instagram because that's her voice. Like she, her voice is online. She uses Instagram and her website and her videos and stuff to help people. And then when she feels knocked down from the sidelines from some person that can't even use their real name on Instagram, that's, you know, that could put her back in a place where she just wants to be quiet. Like I might as well not say anything because I can't take the criticism, but no, that's when you need to speak louder and not worry about what those people have to say. And that's a reminder to myself too, because I get, I get the hate mail, <laughs> but for, if you're not in the public, if you're not putting something out there publicly, it might not be that you're getting DMs or nasty emails from people you don't know. It could be somebody in your house that's watching stuff, a friend or a coworker, somebody that's watching it from the sidelines that's not being part of your team, not being your cheerleader. And, and I think it just is a great reminder for me personally to always try. Whatever is on your heart that you believe in, 
like the greatest fear is not knowing victory or defeat and just simply existing and never getting in the arena. And so whatever whatever you have in your heart to, to try and strive for, go for it at all costs. Yeah. Uh, my friend Bobby wrote a book called Fail Until You Don't, <laughs> Fight, Grind, Repeat. Maybe you've heard of him, Bobby Bones. I I recommend his book. That's been really helpful for really a lot good. of our listeners. And, you know, he has failed a bunch. And sometimes people refer to him as just, oh, wow, it's like young guy. Look, it just happened overnight. But he's been hustling since he was in his teens. a great teens. example of that. And has been told no a bunch, but that didn't stop him. He just figured out how to use it to make himself stronger and to grow from it. So, okay. Uh, That concludes the quote. Don't worry. I won't forget to put in a quote on Tuesday's episode. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The next thing will be our healthcare hero shout out. Okay, healthcare hero shout out today comes from an email that I got from Angela. Hey, Amy, your podcast along with the Bobby Bone Show has been our saving grace during the quarantine period. Thank you for shedding light on the front line of healthcare workers. My sister Britton is a nurse at Grady in Atlanta. She just transferred to Grady from Atlanta Medical Center just before the outbreak for research opportunities with stroke and brain trauma patients. She has taken an extra shift and moved to the ER to help with COVID-19. She is an incredible nurse and loves what she does. She's one of the most thoughtful people I know, and she is the best gift giver. And her patients and coworkers are always showing her all the love. She brings joy to everyone she comes in contact with. She's a 70s funk-loving, creative old soul that asks for nothing for herself. She has missed multiple family events for her patients, and we love her even more for that. Although we miss her, God placed her right where she needed to be most, and we all know that. Please consider her for your giveaway. My Christmas gift to her this past year was a Four Things tote, and she's obsessed. I've attached some photos of her at work lifting people up and keeping the positive vibe flowing. So, and that again was from Angela for her sister written and she did attach the pictures and they were so adorable. And yeah, her sister does seem like one of those nurses. I mean, all nurses are amazing, but just was bringing the extra joy to patients, which is so important, especially during these times. So yeah, shout out to Britain at Grady hospital in Atlanta. We appreciate you so much. And I will be getting a tote or a tea in the mail to Britain. I don't know for sure which ones. I think probably a t-shirt since she already has a four things tote. And then a lot of nurses are liking the t-shirts too because they can wear them with their scrubs. And it says scrubs on, caffeinate, wash hands, repeat. So it looks cute with their scrubs. And then also they can wash it. Like if they take their tote to work, they especially with coronavirus, they don't know about being able to wash it. So... Um, thank you for sending that in, Angela. And anybody else, keep the Healthcare Hero, Hero emails coming. We're going through them and just picking people to read. So we just want to highlight them. And this is our little way of doing it. Trust me, we know it's little, but it's better than nothing. 
Okay, that's a wrap on today's episode. And now it's time for the email shout out, which if you're new to listening, this is different than the Healthcare Hero shout out. That is a newer segment that we've just started doing as a way to recognize um, people out there making a difference. But the email shout out has always been here even before coronavirus. Four things with amybrown at gmail.com is the email. And I love when y'all send stuff in and I just like to recognize you. So this email came from Mary. Hey, Amy, I cannot find your podcast where you talked about the online yoga classes that you take on YouTube. Also, I started following the Nashville Beauty Girl and tried all the masks that you guys discussed and have a suggestion for your next discussion with her. How can we women lighten our chest areas if we have sun damage there? I wear different necklines and I have a horrible red round neck. And this is very obvious if I wear like V-neck shirts. It would be nice to be able to even out that skin tone on the upper chest area. I love all the Pimp and Joy items. My new favorites are the sweats and the camo sweatshirt. Would like some more neckline choices for women's shirts. Thank you in advance. So Mary, appreciate the email. We'll keep your neckline requests uh, in mind for Pimp and Joy stuff. And then the yoga that I use or on YouTube is Yoga with Adrian and that's it. If you just pull up YouTube, type in yoga with Adrian, you will find her. I like all of her videos. And then the Nashville beauty girl, she always tells me to do everything from my forehead all the way down my chest. She even says stuff I don't like to say. I think she says like, <laughs> Chase is on here for this. She doesn't even want me to say it. I don't even want to say it. I'm embarrassed yeah. to say it, but she's like from the, from the, your, I don't need, I can't say it. Never mind. I don't know how she says it so casually, but my husband is in here too. Ben, do you know what Carrie says about how you should, when you're doing your face stuff, like what's your face? It's not just your face. It's the top of your head to your tits. Temple. <laughs> That's what she says. Oh, not me. Carrie says it, but she says that because a lot of times we just put sunscreen on our face or we just put all of our creams and all the things and do things to our face, but you need to do it from the top of your forehead all the way down your chest. Get that whole area, treat that as your face. And this is new to me too. My neck and my chest area, I'm not used to treating that as my face, but now everything I do to my face, I do to those areas, Mm -hmm. all of it. So that is one way to help with that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry if there was kids in the car. (laughs) Wait, nobody's in their car right now anymore. People, hopefully moms are just listening to this while they're on their walk or getting some mom time. Um, Okay. Well, that's, that's today's episode. Totally done. Email shout out. Good to go. Hope y'all have a great weekend. Chase, thank you for joining me. Thanks for I like just having you on so I feel like I'm just talking to myself. Hey, I'm always glad to be here for you. Well, I appreciate it and appreciate you and and helping us get the people booked for the show. Did we mention this? I don't know if we did. I can't remember. I know we talked about it before we started recording, but you know, we had Paula on, Ferris, who has the book, but another exciting book we have coming up is we is Lauren Akins. Yep. So she's awesome. married to Thomas Rhett and she has a book coming out, so... I just got a digital copy of it to kind of go over. At least I'll be more prepared than I was for Paula. And I'll be able to share that interview in August or so whenever her book comes out. But when we put up who do y'all want to hear from on the podcast, a bunch of people put Lauren Akins. So uh, Chase has her all booked and ready to go. And we will be having her on someday soon, which will be fun. 
We love the suggestions too. So always, always keep those coming. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate y'all. Have a good weekend. Bye. All right. I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or a concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And 
I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. 